the devil wants to give us a lie. This world wants to give us a lie. That we are in bondage. But that is not the truth. So let that truth set you free. We're going to talk today about one of my very favorite uh, in this whole series as we're going victorious living. We're looking at the book of Acts. And we're looking at different people in the book of Acts. How real life people have experienced the victorious life of Christ. And how God is still setting people free today and how he's helping us live a true victorious life now. And this is one of my very favorites. It's so favorite that I had a really hard time writing it. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff in this, in this passage. And and I studied it and I prayed about it. And then I just couldn't, I just couldn't nail down an outline. Not that I couldn't figure out what to say, but there was too many good things in this passage, I mean, this, this chapter in Acts 16 is so rich, so amazing. I mean, God just shows up in so many ways. It was hard to nail it down. But I prayed and I prayed and I fasted and I thought, and finally there was a deadline, so I just went with one. <laughs> and then Sherry this morning says, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> the message. So praise the Lord. Well, let's talk about it. Acts 16, we catch you up what's happening. There was this guy last week we talked about. His name was Saul. Saul was a bad dude that God changed by his grace, right? Totally changed his life. Became the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul now goes boldly out and does this amazing mission trip with this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas, I love he's called the son of encouragement. What a cool nickname. And Barnabas, this guy who is just bold man of faith with Paul, go through uh, kind of the surrounding area around Israel, and they go and they share the gospel, not just to Jews, but also to Gentiles. And the church begins to grow. And, and as things happen, there was a, the, it was difficult in the church because now all of a sudden, Gentiles were being included in God's people. And that created an issue and say, is that all right? And so Paul gets called back. He meets with the apostles for the very first time because they were scared of him. Remember? Like he was locking people up and torturing them. And so they wanted to make sure he's legit. But now he's been out there and he's suffered for Jesus. And now he comes back and he meets with the apostles. And they have what's called the Council of Jerusalem. They talk about how, listen, Jesus is for everybody. And therefore, you don't have to be, you have to look a certain way in order to be a follower of Jesus. But you have to follow Jesus in order to be a follower of Jesus. And then they send him back out because he's doing good work. But people are people. And Barnabas and and Paul have a problem about this one guy named Mark. See, Mark uh, started the missions trip but then kind of got scared and left. And now he wants back in. And, and Paul says, I think we should let him. And Barnabas says, I don't think we should let him. And they get upset with each other. And though they were good friends and they did these things, they part ways. And now there's a new guy on the scene named Silas. And Silas joins the ministry of Paul. And they're going now on the second missionary trip and they go even further. Now they're going up around, if you can imagine, the, the Mediterranean world. And they're going around... Uh, uh, up through Syria, they're going up um, all the way into Turkey, right? And they're going to go into Asia is really where they wanted to go. But it says the Lord stopped them from going in there. And then in Acts 16, what ha- something amazing happens is God gives Paul a vision. It's a, p- a vision of a man from Macedonia. Now, this is Greece. This is in Europe. He's never gone to Europe before. This, is, this man from Macedonia says, please come and share the good news. And so Paul and Silas go to go share the good news. And where do they go? 
Well, one of the places they go is a city called Philippi. And Philippi was a very special city. See, uh, about a hundred years previous, there was this guy named Octavian. And Mark Anthony was another guy with him. And they went and they attacked this city and they killed a man named Brutus there. And if you know your, your Caesar dressings on the back side of most bottles, there's a guy there stabbing a guy named Caesar in the back. He says, Ethel Brute, right? right? There, that was where Brutus dies. And the city is destroyed. Right? And so this was a big deal. Um, and so then after that, uh, a few years later, Octavian goes back to that city and rebuilds it and takes on the name Caesar Augustus, whom I named my dog after, by the way. Dogustus, but it's close enough. And he names the city, and then he gives the city, though it is not in Rome, he gives the city the highest honor of any city that you can't have outside of Rome. And basically what he says is, in this city, it is as though you are in Rome. And he sets up a military garrison there. This is a military town. And he sets up a Roman-style government there. And then in that land, if you are born there, you are a Roman citizen. If you are in that land, now you can own land and property. You couldn't do that from the occupied lands of Rome. Only Romans could own property. But if you lived in Philippi, you could own property. It is as though you stepped into Rome. So this city has this, this pride. They are this Roman, this Roman outpost this mighty military garrison, this strategic location, Philippi. It is the gateway to Europe and the gateway to Rome. And Paul marches straight into Philippi with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first person he shows up with was his little, was his gal, I don't know how big she was, this gal named Lydia. And Lydia was a brilliant businesswoman, powerful woman, and she sold purple garments, which apparently was a tough thing, an expensive thing to do. And she shares the gospel with her, and Lydia becomes the first Europeaner to, to accept Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes into the town, and that's where we see three stories of victory from bondage. Now let's talk about bondage for just a second, because it's a big deal in life. Bondage is when we don't have freedom. We don't have the ability to get free from something, right? We're held captive to something we don't have the means or, or, or even the opportunity to free ourselves from. And in our world, we have bondage to all kinds of things. Most of us say, oh, I wish I could do that, but I wish that I could be faithful to God. I wish that I could live my purposes in life, that I could, I could live up to that which God has called me to, but there are these things. Sometimes it's bad relationships. Sometimes it's really bad habits. Sometimes it's really horrible circumstances. And we think these things hold us back and hold us down. And they make us hopeless because then we go through this life as though it is a grind, as though God doesn't have purpose for us, as though God isn't victorious in this world today. We live as slaves to this world. And our joy is gone. And we live like the rest of the world. And they look to us and they say, where is your hope? You look like everybody else. But you see, the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there is three stories of freedom that we're going to read. Oh, it makes me so excited. I mean, you just... 
I've been all week long talking to folks in the bondage of depression and sadness. Thinking this world is hopeless. We need this. So read with me. I'm just going to help you read the whole thing. I changed the color of people so they're, they're color-coded by who's talking because there's a lot of passages. So that's why there's color-coding. But here we go. Starting in Acts 16, 16 through 18, it says, One day, as we, this is the we, when you read the we in the, gospel, in, in the book of, of Acts, who wrote Acts? Do you remember? Luke. Luke wrote Acts. Remember, because the Gospel of Luke, Acts is part B. So when you read the we, you know that Luke is actually there. This is firsthand. Luke is writing about what he was at. So he is also with Paul and with Silas, which is kind of cool. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, why the place of prayer? Because there wasn't enough Jews in Philippi to have a synagogue. That's why. And so they'd have to go outside to kind of find a place where they would be able to pray because they didn't have enough families for a synagogue. As they were going out to find a place of prayer, they met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future, the first person in bondage. She was in bondage to to a demon. And she was also a slave. And she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling uh, fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. Which actually, not too bad for a demon. Right? This went on day after day. Until Paul got so exasperated that he turned to her and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They're like, you know, they're a little bit exaggerating. They have shouted, uh, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now you understand why the folks at Philippi took that so seriously? This was little Rome. Saying they do something that's illegal. What on earth were they saying is illegal? Well, remember, they were supposed to worship the emperors as gods. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods, and they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them into an inner dungeon and clamped on their feet and plant their feet into stocks. Think how horrible the conditions that would have been. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love that. And the prisoners were listening like they had a choice. Suddenly, they had a captive audience. See everything? Like the first thing. Like, okay. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison door wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. Wouldn't you? So he drew his sword to kill himself. Why would he do that? Well, under Roman law, and this was little Rome, if you were a jailer 
and the people that you were in charge of escaped, you had to pay their penalty. You had to finish out their sentence. Now, there were a lot of prisoners probably in that prison, and it was basically a death sentence for him. And not only that, but his family would also be likely uh, stripped of honor and things like this and kicked out and put into slavery. It was a big deal. There was depression in that whole household that night. Pulls out his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran into the dungeon, and she fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials set the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. The first thing that I want to point out in this passage is this, that God frees us where we are. And you think about the, the slave girl. She was in the midst of a, a double bondage. She was in spiritual bondage and she was in, in legal bondage. Right? She had a, a demon in her and she was a slave. Wasn't free of herself. She was under this economic bondage as well. People were using her to make wealth and not sharing it with her, by the way, because she was a slave. You have... Paul and Silas, they are locked up in chains behind an inner cell in a prison. You talk about being stuck with stocks on their feet. You have a jailer who is out there and his world has just fell apart. You see, these folks couldn't get to God, but God got to them. And that is the way of our Lord. I think sometimes we believe this lie that I'm going to go to church and I'm going to go find God. I'm going to pray once I'm good enough or my circumstances are good enough. But you don't need freedom when you're free. That's why Jesus said he didn't come to heal the, the well. He came to heal the sick. And really when he was saying that, those who at least had the, the good sense to recognize they're sick. You see, we don't come to church to find God. We come to church because God found us. God will meet you in your life. Right where you're at. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for things to turn around. For things to be good enough. God will meet you. God frees us right where we are because that's what we need, isn't it? That's exactly what we need. This is what Jesus said. 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is when John the Baptist sent his people. Remember, John was actually in prison, by the way, bondage. And he asked his followers to go out and ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Because John knew he was going to give his life for this guy. And this is how Jesus responded. The Spirit of the Lord has, is on me. And because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. That's what Jesus does. It's his specialty. And this wasn't some new thing. Jesus was actually quoting a, a, a prophet long ago that said this is what the Messiah would do. This is his work. Jesus sets us free. We have to believe this because it's not just a story or a fairy tale. We just read the story of three people who were set free by the Lord from three very different circumstances. Jesus didn't wait for the world to come to heaven. Jesus came to earth to set us free. He goes to the captive to set them free. He goes to those who have broken hearts to set them free. He went to the sick to set them free. He even went to the dead. And set them free. And that same Holy Spirit is in us. And the Lord is spirit. When the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, beyond that, Jesus releases us from hopeless bondage. Think about the situations where, where these folks were at. You have this, this slave girl. She had no means. She was told from probably birth that she was worthless, subhuman, not worthy. You're not a full citizen. You live in Philippi where people can be citizens, but not you. Right? And she has a demon on top of her, controlling her very body, using her to make these masters wealthy while she got none of it. She had no freedom as to where she could go or what she was going to do. It was hopeless. Can you imagine? I think as Americans, we can't even picture this. The type of hopeless bondage this young woman was in. And with a word, she was set free. When you have Paul and Silas, when you are beaten and have a crowd outside that wants to kill you, and a city government that's willing to just forget about the law so that way they can lock you up, and you are inside of a Roman prison, not just in the inner part, which is locked, but also an inner room, and in that inner room, you are locked in chains? You are actually bolted to the floor? Pretty hopeless. Pretty darn hopeless. Or you have a jailer who is there, and his world is falling apart quite literally? And the jail doors are open and the prisoners are gone and there is no way he's going to find them at this hour of the night with chaos everywhere. Hopeless. Hopeless, hopeless. And it was pray today. Difficult things cause hopelessness. Tragedy causes hopelessness and hopelessness causes tragedies. But we're never hopeless with Jesus. You see, the slave girl, she was set free when no one else would even see her. They came to her for her demon. But Paul saw her. I mean, this young gal was actually giving her a pretty good uh, advertisement. Well, it was annoying advertisement, people. But he saw her. God saw her. And she was set free that very day. Paul and Silas were in the middle of a prison, but their hearts were free because they knew this truth that I'm preaching right now. 
it's going to take a whole lot more than jail cells and iron bars to hold us back because the Lord is spirit. When the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and they knew that. And they were free to preach, and they were free to proclaim, and they were free to, to praise God because though they were in bars and behind bars, there was joy. And they had a captive audience. They could preach to them, and these people heard them. And there was joy, and they were free in the spirit. There was no hopelessness in Paul and Silas. They knew God was there, and then God showed up and physically freed them. And he had this, this jailer with no hope. In the midst of everything that was broken, in the midst of a very dark night, in a lot of ways, the light of the world came into his life. And that one night that was going to bend catastrophe for him became the very night of, of the best story of his life, of his eternity. It was the best of all days for him. While everyone else was in chaos, he was in peace. God releases us from hopelessness. And maybe where you are right now, you are thinking, these things are never going to change. These burdens, these worries, these cares, these troubles that I have, these circumstances that I'm in, there is no way out. I see no foreseeable way out. That's maybe exactly where God wants you to be so he can show you he'll set you free. You know, Paul and Silas, if they weren't locked in that prison, guess who wouldn't have come to faith? That jailer wouldn't have. That jailer would have killed himself that night because there were other prisoners in there who would have left. You know, maybe God is calling you into the hard places and the dark places because you are his light. And he will set you free. And there is freedom wherever he is. So don't believe the lie that you are in bondage. Don't believe the lie that you are in a hopeless situation. If you have prayed over it, if you had said, God, help me in the midst of this, and he has said, not yet then you are already free in the midst of it. You are called there, so serve there. Find the purpose. There is freedom. Because the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the spirit of the Lord is never going to leave you, never forsake you. So there really is no hopelessness. He actually frees us from the lie of hopeless bondage. Isn't that amazing? Here's this thing. Jesus also empowers us to live free. Empowers us. Let me get that. That slave girl, she was still a slave girl after she met Paul. It wasn't like she stopped being a slave girl. But now she was free. Even in her slavery in this world, she was now a child of the king. She now had purpose in life. She realized that she had value in God's kingdom. That God's Holy Spirit came upon her. And there is a day that is coming that she is also going to be in heaven as one of the holy saints, ruling over the angels. I don't even know what that means, but I tell you, that's a big step from being a slave girl. Because that was her true new identity. And so what happened in this life may have confined what she got to do on an economic level or on a citizenship level, but now she was a citizen, a true citizen of the kingdom of God. And I will tell you this, when God sets somebody free, he sets them free indeed. And he sets them free for purpose. This girl who was under the control of a demon was no longer under that control. And this girl that was being used by her masters to make them wealthy in a very wrong way was no longer being used for that. God empowered her to live free right where she was at. How about Paul and Silas in the middle of prison? 
locked away in prison behind bars. You think that the jailers could beat the gospel out of them? Oh, no. They just beat it into them even more. And while they were behind bars, they showed a greater freedom. So much so that when the jail doors flew open, they didn't say, well, let's get out of here. They had better thoughts. They were able to listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, wait, I've got something better for this. So much so, I didn't even read this part. This is part's hilarious because afterwards, the next day, the, the, when the jailers came and said, you can go, and the jailers said, you can go, Paul and Silas said, I don't think so. We're Roman citizens. You think you can just beat Roman citizens and throw them in jail? That was really against the law, by the way. It'd be like us being beaten and thrown in jail without, without a court, right? And, and now, of course, the city, these city officials were terrified because if Rome heard that they were breaking Rome's laws, that was bad news for them. As officials, you can't treat a Roman citizen like this. So then they were like, oh. So the Roman officials who beat them and sentenced them to jail actually came and begged them. Please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, please go. Go in peace, please, please. And then Paul and Silas said, we'll go when we're, when we're ready. <laughs> and then they went and they went out to that place of prayer and they prayed with the other believers there. And then they went on their way. You see, that's freedom. That's how God empowers us. When it was God said it's time for you to go, there was nothing that could stop them. There were no crowds. There was the jailers themselves, the city officials themselves were blessing them and saying, go, go in peace. There was no one who could stop them. And that's the way that God works. So the reality for a Christian is whether or not we were in the prison or whether or not we were walking out of that town victorious, I had the same level of freedom. Because Paul and Silas were exactly where God needed them to be. And it's the same thing for us. If you feel like you're in bondage, but you are in the Lord, you are not in bondage. You are there for a purpose, so live that purpose. Praise God right where you're at. Find the people who are in bondage and share with them the good news so that they can be freed as well. And when it's time for you to be set free, God will set you free. And there will be no one, not a demon, not a government, nothing will be able to stop you. That's the way God works. Think about that prison, that jailer. It was the darkest of all nights. Middle of the night, huge earthquake, his jail falls apart. Think about how bad an earthquake has got to be to knock apart a jail. Okay, it's not just like some flimsy little house. This thing was built solid with iron and big things, right? Doors fly open. It's shaken to its foundation. This was a big deal, which means that other places in that community were falling down. Right? His whole city was falling apart. His house was falling apart. And his life was falling apart. And at that very moment, when he was ready to take his life, God shows up through the voice of Paul and says, don't do it. We're here. And all of a sudden, hope comes in. And he comes out and he says, what must I do to be saved? See, there's a reason he asked that question. Because his entire life, that jailer was taught that these Roman gods were, were real. And that he should worship these emperors, these emperors that were going to take his own life. But there was this, this pesky little slave girl walking around this guy for, for a long time saying, this guy's here from the Most High God. He's going to talk to you about how to be set free. That's why they were in jail. And he was probably listening to them all night as they were praising this God, going, be quiet, I'm trying to sleep, right? The, he hears the gospel. And when it mattered most, when he was the darkest moment of his light, the light of the world came into his spirit. And he was empowered to live free. Though everyone else was in panic and in chaos, this jailer was changed. And what does he do? He washes the wounds of his prisoners. 
He's baptized. Not just him, but his whole household. While everyone else was in chaos, this jailer had a night of peace, a night of freedom, a night of joy. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. I hope you get that. We're not in bondage to this world. God told us that. We are the kingdom of God here now. And yeah, we're going to suffer because we need to do that. Jesus needed to suffer. But it's not going to be forever. And we have been set free. And we have purpose in this time. And so God will set us free. And when it looks like it's the worst, it's when we're empowered the most, isn't it? That's why Paul once wrote, he said, that's why I rejoice in persecutions and hardships and difficulties and slanderings and all these difficult things. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. God empowers us to live free. Don't worry about when the things get darkest. How am I going to make it through this? The question is, are you stepping with Jesus? Are you staying with the Spirit? Because the Lord is Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when things get hard and the faith gets tested and it's the darkest night of your soul, cling to faith like Paul and Silas. Cling to faith. Come to faith like the jailer. Because there is freedom for you. There is freedom for all of us. Jesus leaves no one behind. So as I wrap this particular message up, recognize this. That God gives us victory over bondage with the power to live free. This is not just flowery words. It's, it's a way of overcoming this world that Jesus already has done, is living in that. It's trusting that he is actually sovereign and good and loving. Despite this world and our hardships and our circumstances, he's called us into the hardships and circumstances. Can you imagine how horrible it would be if the Spirit of God came, the Holy Spirit who has come, comes into the church and then helps the church live very comfortable lives away from all of the difficulty and all the darkness? What about all the people that are in difficulty and darkness? God would be very far away from them, wouldn't he? But he's called us to be there with them. That's why if you go to Denver, there is one big institution that helps take care of the homeless, and it's a Christian institution. And if you go to St. Louis, there is an institution in there that takes care of the homeless. You know what that is? Those are Christian institutions. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. That's why for thousands of years, the only people that had the bravery or the courage to go and help those who were struggling with leprosy and with disease and those who took in refugees are Christians. Why? Because the gospel is right there in the darkness. And the darkness doesn't make us darker. It just makes Jesus shine brighter. We are free. We are free to love. We are free to live. We are free to live with purpose, no matter where we're at. So Jesus overcomes bondage with the power to live free. See, God frees us where we are. So let me ask you this question. I think it's pretty appropriate. Is where are you? In your spirit, do you feel as though you are in bondage? Do you have a certain something that is holding you back, that is making you feel like, I can't live the life that, I, that God has called me to live because of this? Do you believe that the Spirit of the Lord is with you? And maybe it's one of those things that's right in where you're at right now as you say, God, join me. Help me. Give me your purpose in this or set me free from it. And trust him. But where are you? See, God helps us overcome. He, he helps us overcome the hopeless. Any hopeless situation. What are you facing? Are you at a place in your life where you've just given up on hope? Do you think that God maybe can't overcome your problem? He overcame death for crying out loud. Himself. I mean, it's one thing to raise somebody else from the dead, but it's entirely different to raise yourself. 
But he's been setting people free from bondage, all kinds of bondage. You think about the slave girl and the, and the prisoner. They had totally different kinds of bondage they were living, but it was bondage. Why would God's Holy Spirit not free you? Wherever you're at, if you're hopeless, turn your eyes to Jesus because you're looking at the wrong things. You're looking at the prison walls. But Paul and Silas were brilliant. They looked up and they were praising God. They had eyes of faith. And they waited and God set them free at the right time. So if you are feeling hopeless, be reminded and encouraged that God is there, right there. And there is nothing in your life that can separate him from you. There is nothing in your life that can keep you from living his purposes for you. And how about this? Here's a good question. God empowers you to live free. So where has he called you? What has he called you to live for? Have you been in bondage for so long that you have forgotten to even ask that question? That you start asking, how am I going to survive instead of how am I going to live? See, God called us for so much more than just to hold on to this mortal life. In fact, he said, if anyone who wants to cling to this life, to, to save their, what they think they need, their life on this earth, they actually lose their life. They stop living for what they were made for. And it's a slow death of the soul, isn't it? To live in this world thinking that it's all about what I can eat and what I can drink and how comfortable I can be. Oh, God's called you for purpose. What are you here for? What did he make you for? Now start living for that because you are free to do it. And I will tell you, nothing on heaven or earth are going to be able to keep anyone from living that out if God has called you to it. Isn't that cool? So what have you been made for? What are you called to? Now, as I bring this to a close, I want you to help me out by taking out your, your connection card and turn on to the back side of it because there's some things that we can do. And, and on this back side, um, I've got some ideas. As Living in freedom means we actually live. It's, life is an action thing, right? It's, it's not a passive thing. So maybe it's what you do is memorize this passage, this memory verse, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Why? Because maybe you need to be reminded on a daily basis that, that the Lord is Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you are a Christian, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He promised us that he was going to send a helper who is going to be with us. That's the Holy Spirit. He's with us. That's the Spirit of the Lord. There is freedom right where you are at. And there is a very, very convincing lie that is told by this world that says that you're in bondage. So maybe this passage is what you need to remember. You are free. You are free. Maybe what you want to do is read Acts 16. Like I said, there was too many sermons to preach out of this passage. These are amazing things. Maybe what you want to do is read this story in its own context. As you do, pray about it. Let God show you how these are. These were real people, real people, real lives, real bondage, real freedom. You want to see what it looks like? Because this is your story as well. God will free you. So maybe you say this week, I want to read Acts 16. I want to see how God's and Holy Spirit can come in and can free from any circumstance, any situation. Maybe that's what you want to do. Read the word for yourself. Let it speak to you. God's word is powerful. It is holy and wonderful. Maybe that's what you do. How about this? Invite God into your prison. Ask for freedom. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're maybe you've been so beat down by that lie, like that slave girl, that you were like, I don't even know what to ask. Ask God into that prison with you. He's already there, but it's nice to know. Ask him to set you free. Maybe you've forgotten to do that. Because God's not a bully. He's not going to impose himself in your life. But if you ask him, he'll do some amazing things. And if he says, wait, then ask him to give you purpose in that prison. Because you don't know the amazing things that he can do. Right? He might even free your jailer. Isn't that cool? 
So maybe that's what you need to do this week. Or how about this? How about attend this membership class? Maybe you've been part of the church, you've been coming for a while, and you say, you know what? I want to live for God. Well, I'll tell you how God designed us to live. You read the New Testament, there is no way around it. Even the Old Testament, God designed us to live in community. It says that as a Christian, you are part of the body. That is just it. You're not, you're not in a, a foreign appendage. You are part of the body of Christ. And when you show up and you do your job, the body is healthy. And it's doing, and it's, it's doing what it's supposed to. And if you are a believer in Christ and you don't have a church family, you need to find a local body of Christ. And if you want to investigate ours, join this thing. Talk about what does it mean to be part of a church family so that way you can live in the freedom that God has called you to, to live the life that he has called you to do. We would love to have you. It's a great congregation. It's a great family of faith. So maybe that's what you need to do. Join us. Or maybe there's something else, something else that I haven't thought of, but you do because the Holy Spirit is calling in your heart. Let us know what you're going to do this week so I can pray for you. That's one of the greatest things I get to do. Maybe... Maybe over on this other side, maybe you have never started a relationship with Jesus yourself. Maybe you still are in bondage to prison of of sin and slavery uh, to that. Maybe there isn't hope for where you are because God isn't with you. But I'll tell you this, Jesus said, if you come to him, he he will take you. And you are saved by his grace just simply through faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you're interested in that, I'm not going to give you a sales pitch because it's not a sale thing. Jesus said, if you want life, you have to trade your life for his. But it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. We'll talk about what that means. What does it mean to follow Jesus, to live in purpose, and to have God's spirit with you so that you can live in freedom? If you're interested in that, let me know, and we'll meet with you. If you do that, by the way, make sure you print legibly and where I can get a hold of you so we can have this good conversation and we can talk about it. That's what we want to do. Maybe you have a prayer request this week. Why? Because God listens to our prayers. He is active in our life. He's done amazing things this year, miracles after miracles. And he's done, he still continues to work because we're just taking him at his word and we're inviting him in. So if you have a prayer request, something that's heavy upon your heart, you want us to join you in prayer with, let us know. Write that down right now. And then here in a couple seconds, we're going to take our offering. We take our tithes and our offerings. Make sure you drop this along with your, your, your gifts into uh, the offering basket. And uh, it'll just be kind of cool to see what God does. All right. Well, would you please join me as we, uh, as we pray for our offering and our commitments? Heavenly Father, you are amazing and good and kind and loving and powerful and present. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word that says that you are spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.